This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankosky. The tragedy in Newtown has consumed our lives for the last several days. We'll continue to have that conversation here as Connecticut attempts to heal. But today, Where We Live, we welcome in two guests to talk about something that many people in our state turn to as a relief, a respite, a place to gather, sports. The University of Connecticut has been built into a top-notch academic and research institution, but nobody will deny that its national prominence is fueled in large part by its successful sports programs. UConn men's and women's basketball teams have won a combined 10 national titles. It's one of the strongest brands in college sports. But the changing landscape of conference affiliation has left our flagship university at a bit of a crossroads. Still a member of a diminished Big East conference, left out so far of expansion by more lucrative conference deals, What's the future for UConn sports? More importantly, how can the university, which brings so many people together for big time basketball and football, help people in Connecticut through this tough time? We're joined today by our partners at CPTV Sports. We welcome in their cameras today. You can join us, 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. You can email us where we live at WNPR.org or tweet us at where we live. Our guests today are Susan Herbst, the president of the University of Connecticut. It's good to see you here again. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us, John. And also to Ward Manuel, who's the athletic director of the University of Connecticut. First time you've been on the program, and it's great to see you. Yeah, it's good to be here, John. Good to see you. So uh, first I have to ask you, uh, President Herbst, uh, from a university perspective, maybe you can give me a sense of your reaction to what happened uh, last Friday in Newtown and how the university has, has tried to help people heal and get through this. Sure. Well, the university is, uh, you know, a place of grief right now, as are all institutions, I think, and all families in Connecticut and far beyond. Uh, you know, first, I'd like to thank our governor for unbelievable compassion paired with his, you know, tremendous leadership expertise. He, you know, keeps it all together. Law enforcement, we have two of our best uh, police from UConn um, in the motos- motorcycle uh, brigade helping with one of the funerals this morning. And uh, our law enforcement has been has been incredibly helpful, I think, to the people of Newtown. Mental health professionals, health professionals at UConn Health Center. Uh, so, you know, UConn is, is stepping up in a lot of ways. I think one of the most uh, 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 important ways that we're stepping up in a kind of a long-term uh, contribution to the to the well-being and the future health of Newtown is our scholarship fund. And honestly, I was uh, it was Sunday afternoon, and I was waiting for another university event to happen. I was getting so much email from our community about what we should do uh, to try to commemorate victims, but also help into the future. And then Gino called, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he always has such great ideas. And his was uh, that we should really focus on on a scholarship, um, scholarship full ride to UConn for. Uh, uh, siblings of victims um, in in Sandy Hook, but also uh, uh, children or or relatives of the adult victims, Newtown. So uh, that's all over our website. We're getting just scores and scores of people calling in with big and small donations. Uh, It's we have time to build up this fund because the children are still are still small on the whole. And um, so far, just just overnight, I think it's less than 24 hours that we've really been publicizing this. We have a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. So this is going to go incredibly well. And I think we'll really be able to give uh, uh, some of these victims and their families at least um, uh, the transformational gift of higher education. I think sending a, um, a child to college is, is something that we at UConn uh, feel we can do. 
uh, to help Sandy Hook. Uh, and uh, if people want to find out more information, if they want to give and donate, it's it's all over the UConn site. It's easy to find. Easy to find. UConn.edu and, and everything's there. And uh, we're, we're incredibly grateful for the gifts so far. Oh, Ward Manuel, maybe you can talk about that, that first game that, that the men played after uh, the tragedy. There, there's a, quite a, an amazing scene at center court. Maybe you can talk a bit about what a gathering like that is at a time when uh, the state is obviously trying to pull together. Well, I think it's important. Uh, sports has played a role, as you said in your introduction, of really trying to uh, bring people together after tragedy and give them a release. And uh, it was important for us um, to really uh, show the the state and show what the state felt like at that particular game. And I think um, with the 26 students holding candles and in the moment of silence and um, the student athletes wearing the patch uh, on their uniforms and just the outpouring. I mean, this is a time for all of us to come together. Sports is a game in the end. Uh, this is real life, and this is uh, something that impacts not only um, you know the community of Newtown, but the the state and the country, and all the phone calls and emails from around the country from uh, colleagues and people uh, in sports. Uh, this this is bigger. Uh, than what we do uh, on a daily basis in sports. And, and it was important for us to do that, and I think a very touching um, a moment uh, for everyone there. John, can I just say something about um, the men on our men's basketball team who are just amazing, and they're, you know, they're kids that I've come to know. Uh, they uh, are such great ambassadors for us. I think two of the most meaningful games of this, of this semester, certainly of my lifetime um, in, in colleges and college athletics, are when we went to Ramstein Air Force Base and uh, played for servicemen and women and wounded warriors. Uh, our students were amazing there all the time they spent with the soldiers, and they were amazing this week. We, uh, we had a vigil, candlelight vigil, and, uh, run by our mayor in Mansfield, and we had hundreds of people in the community center and, and all standing around waiting for the program to start with their candles. And then in walks our men's basketball team, mm. all in their matching uh, uh, practice uniforms. And I'll tell you, they just bring so much joy, and they're such mature, terrific young men. Yes, yeah, and, and th this idea, though, of, of what sports can do, we saw this after 9-11, some of the amazing moving moments at, at Yankee Stadium, for instance, and, and uh, the other gatherings, even this past weekend in, in the NFL, uh, players deciding to honor the victims in, in their own ways. It seems as though sports really does have uh, some way of getting people together and helping you both remember and forget at the same time, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, it's absolutely true, especially at a big research university like ours that has so many components. People are running in all different directions. We have multiple campuses. You know, there aren't a lot of things that hold people together because they are doing so many diverse things, and sports is one of the few uh, where people just feel, you know, sort of pure identity and togetherness whether we're winning and losing, and that's something that Ward can talk about later. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that, because I'd like to get your, your, your take on this, this idea of, of, what, of what sports can do and what you hope uh, a place like UConn can provide for people, not just in a time of tragedy, but all the time as far as bringing people together. Well, I think it's, it's a positive release if we are successful on the field of play uh, for our fans to – uh, come out and and, uh, and watch a game and watch uh, student athletes perform who have Connecticut uh, on the front of their chest, UConn, um, that that are playing for them and playing for the pride of 
uh, not only our students and faculty and staff and alums, but our, our fans in the state and across the country and the world. And I think it's important, you know, sports has that release. It's that way of being able to say, uh, in a competition, our team uh, had success and was successful and won. And so in in that sense, we are always looking to win, not only for our, our teams in themselves, but for our fans uh, in really showing and showcasing the excellence, uh, not only of uh, the athletic teams, but the university. We're going to be talking about the importance of intercollegiate sports on the program today with Ward Manuel. He's the athletic director at the University of Connecticut and with Susan Herbst, the president of UConn. In a moment, when we get back from our break, we'll take some of your phone calls at 860-275-7266. You can send your emails to where we live at WNPR.org or tweets at where we live. This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankosky. Today, we're joined by Susan Herbst, the president of the University of Connecticut, and Ward Manuel, the athletic director at UConn, to talk about the importance of intercollegiate sports. Of course, UConn has been in the news quite a bit over the course of the last several weeks as the changing landscape of uh, intercollegiate sports. Well, it just keeps changing. We're going to be talking to them about some of these changes as well. Uh, if you want to join us, 860-275-7266. We're joined today by our partners at CPTV Sports. The cameras are here, and we welcome them in today. Um, before we go on, I do want to say that if you want to find out more information about this Memorial Scholarship Fund, which is established at the University of Connecticut to honor the victims of the tragic Newtown school killings, again, you can find out more at the UConn website. There's plenty of information and already a lot of donations coming in. Well, when we decided to, to have you in, uh, Susan Herbst, we're going to talk about sports. And uh, we've talked a little bit about the role that sports plays in our lives. But let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts of, of UConn and sports right now. Within the last week, as a matter of fact, just the day after uh, the tragedy that uh, took all of our attention, um, it became official that uh, seven Catholic basketball-playing schools are leaving the Big East Conference. These are some of the, uh, the notable schools that helped to form the Big East along with UConn, uh, schools like Georgetown. And... With their departure, I don't think anybody knows what the conference uh, that uh, the university is part of is going to be uh, in the next months or years. So, first of all, your reaction to the departure of these very important programs from the Big East. Well, you know, for us, it's it's always less of a shock and a jolt than than I think uh, others beyond the institution because uh, we tend to we we are in the tension ourselves. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a surprise to, to Ward or I that um, the Catholic schools were going to decide to go. We had some, some advanced uh, notice of that. And uh, I think that, you know, while we'll certainly miss them and their great colleagues and, we, you know, had some fabulous games over many years, there is a, a kind of historical inevitability to this given the tension between football and basketball. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that was always in the background and something that we, dis we discussed as presidents you know, all the time. Uh, again, you know, trying to make it work, trying to be colleagues. So in a way, and, you know, we obviously are talking to the commissioner about this often, it is a, um, a kind of a normalization for a league that, that is serious about football. So again, kind of a kind of inevitability, not, not so much of a surprise, but again, they'll be missed. Uh, the presidents are, you know, presidents are optimists. That's, you know, that's why we're hired. You know, we're we're number one cheerleader for for the place. And um, when you gather presidents, it tends to be a pretty forward-looking discussion. Presidents typically don't sit around and moan about the past because you have an institution to move forward. 
I am very, very pleased with the new members that we took into the to the Big East. I voted uh, for every one of them. They were they were all unanimous. There are institutions like Temple that are so terrific for us uh, uh, academically, geographically, in terms of their um, their sports programs and uh, SMU. I mean, these are powerful, compelling institutions with great presidents. So. Uh, you know, we are looking forward to building the league. Maybe we'll take some new members soon, but, uh, you know, I'm certainly not in any kind of panic. I think it's very, very exciting. There's just one, uh, one thing, and, and, you know, Ward is the, is the sports expert, but I have to tell you that while it's hard to lose the geographic proximity of the old Big East, um, we in Connecticut, in trying to build uh, an even greater research university and get the very best students in the country coming to UConn, it is great for us to be in Dallas and Houston and Orlando. Uh, we want to get down there. You know that in Connecticut, we are losing population, as is the whole Northeast. We've got to be yeah, out there. But, but how, how is it for your intercollegiate athletes to be competing across the country? One of the things, one of the reasons conferences existed in the first place is because uh, like-minded schools uh, in close proximity to one another would at first take maybe buses and, and then mm -hmm. later planes to games. And yeah, we are talking about football and basketball, but we're also talking about all the other intercollegiate sports. What happens to your volleyball folks uh, when you have a, a, a nationwide conference? Does this really work, Ward? Well, I think it does. I mean, we recruit nationally, and, and many of our student athletes uh, are from around the country and in different places around the country. And um, it, it's not as big of an issue uh, as it was in the past from a geographic standpoint. You know, most of our conferences now are spread hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of miles uh, apart. And do, do you think that's a good thing? I think it's where we are. I, I don't think it's good or bad. I think it, it's where we are, where we exist today. Um, and the landscape of collegiate athletics is not just tied to geographic location and close proximity because of travel. I think uh, it's expanding uh, for various reasons, but it's um, uh, obviously uh, you're losing some traditions that you have, have rivalries that you have, uh, and it's going to take some time to build up new rivalries. But I, I think in the, as we move forward, that will happen. And one of the, the pieces of this conversation I really wanted to have with you, Susan Herbst, because we've talked about academics quite a bit and some about athletics on our program before. Just what I think you both said uh, is, to a certain extent, it is where we are. Mm -hmm. And you are an aspirational president for the University of Connecticut. You want to do certain things, and you don't want UConn to sit still and be only one type of university. You want it to go in the future. But whenever we have a conversation about athletics, not just here but any place, it seems as though we all throw up our hands and go, well, that's just the way it is. Big money rules things. It's all about football. Why is it that we can be so aspirational about what we want to be as a university? But when it comes to, to football, basketball, and the big money of sports, we go, ah, it's, it's the world today. Why can't we say we want to do better than this? Well, I think we're aspirational in sports, and that's, that's one of the reasons that we brought uh, war here to us, and he is one of the most respected ADs in the country. Uh, we're very aspirational. We're aspirational to win more. We're aspirational to get into new sports. As you know, we're, we're bringing up um, our hockey. It's already Division One, but we're joining the Big East, uh, the Hockey East, one of the best, uh, the best hockey league in the country. Uh, it's going to be scholarship hockey. Uh, we're building buildings. And most important to Ward and I, and again, this is why we brought Ward here, is we want to see uh, stellar academic performance across all of our teams. Uh, we have most of that already. I mean, we have the one um, problem a few years ago in men's basketball that is over. 
Uh, but that, to keep that up and to even move that forward, to make our students into leaders and citizens. I think, you know, Kevin Ollie's spoken beautifully about um, this men's basketball team in particular and how uh, it's most important for him, for them to become great young men. Uh, which I have to say they are, and they've, they've really shown it this semester. So uh, we are incredibly aspirational in sports, and, and I will tell you, Ward no. really wants to win. Well, and it's no. not just in this. He wants to win <laughs> golf, anything I he's involved in. Look, <laughs> and, and, and I, don't, I don't dispute that you're aspirational in your sports program and that you want your sports program to be as good as possible. But what I'm talking about is the overall shape of college sports. Here's what's been happening over the course of the last couple of months. I don't have to tell you, but I'll tell our listeners. Uh, UConn was part of a, a Big East that was changing over time. Uh, some openings potentially came up in the ACC. Uh, I, I can, I'll ask the president, but it seems as though UConn was lobbying pretty hard to get into a new conference. That didn't happen, and now some other folks are leaving your conference. And from reports we've said, you were hoping that they wouldn't leave the conference, and now you're hoping to get into a new conference. It just seems as though, I'm not talking about how much you want to win, but I'm talking about the shape of the overall business of sports. It seems to be going away from some of the things it was founded on, and it seems to be going toward how can we maximize the total amount of money we can make out of our sports program? Well, it is. And, you know, in order to continue to be, do well in sports, in order to continue to support uh, what it takes uh, from a financial standpoint in sports, you have to uh, have the resources to do that. Well, in an environment um, where we want to be as a, in a sports program, uh, as self-sufficient as possible, we have to ensure that we're trying to look at the the resources to bring that in so we're not a burden on President Herbst and the academic side of the House. In the movement to that, it's causing some of the shifts in the landscape. But it's, for lack of a better term, maybe a natural cause, a natural progression of the change in terms of the revenue streams into college sports and into sports in general. Um, and so that doesn't, it doesn't take away from our aspirations to be better, to win uh, conference championships in the Big East where we are, uh, and to do the things that are necessary to be successful and in, in to gain national prominence as we have. Um, and I'm not going to, as the athletic director, allow shifts around us to determine who we are and who we're going to continue to be in terms of a championship caliber program. But when you talk about the money that's needed to, to do this, right now the, the Big East Conference, as is currently constituted, is going to bring in only a fraction of the revenue that you would be able to obtain if you were in a, a bigger, more profitable conference. Uh, Absolutely. We'll see about that. I mean, we're in a, we're we're right now working on the media contract and that's going to take probably a couple of months to settle. But, John, you kind of set up a straw man, though, because the truth is no research university as good or as powerful as you could. No research university in the country unilaterally controls any landscape. Oh, no, I, I, I hear and you. So let's talk about the landscape of, say, federal funding for research uh, through the National Institutes for Health or through the National Science Foundation. We don't have a lot of control about the politics and the way that's going either. So, um, you know, you assess the landscape as best you can. You try to move with it. You try to protect your own institution. But there is so much hysteria in the sports media uh, that it just it looks more fluid than maybe some of the other areas. And there, there's not 
uh, media hysteria around federal funding for stem cell research. But, <laughs> so, but, so that landscape looks settled. Well, it's not. But but I think a, a lot of a lot of people look at a research university and say, but but indeed, no matter the politics, that's the world you're supposed to be playing in. You're supposed to be educating people to be the best and the brightest, and to help you know create mm-hmm. new jobs in Connecticut. The sports is supposed to be the secondary thing. And look, that's going to sound very Pollyanna. It's going to sound very much from another century. But at the end of the day, I will have people listening right now. We're saying, yeah, that's what I want my university to be. Why spend all this money on sports? Why so worry so much about getting big time in football and then being sort of <laughs> left at the side of the dance uh, whenever all the all, all the chairs are, are filled up uh, in conference realignment? That's all I'm really talking mm-hmm. about is should we be maybe focusing less on getting into big time college athletics and a little bit more into all the stuff that I know that you want to fund. Yeah, and I mean, this is what I do every day, is trying to get some balance back in, uh, in the optics about UConn. And you, got, you and I have talked about this before. There's no question for UConn, I think it's true for a lot of other uh, research institutions, is that there is so much attention to the athletics and not enough attention to everything else we do, which is most of what we do and most of what our budget goes to. So, uh, you know, we're in all kinds of communication projects to try to broadcast our academic excellence so that, that we can achieve a kind of balance that you see at, at honestly, very few places. I mean, if I uh, went out on, on the street here in Hartford and asked people about Ohio State, uh, they're not going to tell me about uh, the great life sciences or the political science department. You know, they're going to tell me about Ohio State football. So places that are good, places that win championships, always have this kind of imbalance with their communication. And I just have to keep at it and, and talk about our academic excellence wherever I go. But it's it's a little bit tough out there. <laughs> if you want to join us, 860-275-7266. Uh, we're talking about UConn and sports with Susan Herbst and Ward Manuel. If you want to join us, 860-275-7266. Ken's calling. Hi, Ken. Go ahead. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on. Athletic Director Manuel, President Herbst. I'm thrilled that you're participating in this conversation. The University of Chicago is a major national university that is a research university that has produced a president. Our current president was a professor at the University of Chicago. There is no major college athletics at the University of Chicago. My question is, can we just be done with major college athletics? Can we just say students are students, not professional entertainers? When you're paid, like Ward Manual is, a half a million dollars a year to understand something, you're not going to see the other side of the issue. I feel like University of Connecticut is trying to get into the professional entertainment industry and actually has been a major player in it. Can we be done with this? Can we say the 13th Amendment says we're not going to use players as an unpaid labor force in order to pay coaches millions and make millions for the NCAA, make millions for CBS, hmm. and we just focus on a- on academics. And-, oh, and Ken, thank you very much. Uh, Ward Manuel? Well, Ken, I appreciate the, the sentiment. Um, look, no matter what I'm paid, uh, my focus is always going to be on the academic and athletic side of our student-athletes and the experience there. And I want our student-athletes to fully experience uh, what the university has to offer uh, and to graduate uh, with a great degree from the University of Connecticut. Uh, The interesting part about Chicago is that at one point they were in the Big Ten and made a decision um, back in the 30s or 40s, uh, I believe, to uh, remove themselves from the Big Ten uh, and to to lower their their level of participation in athletics, but they still have athletic programs. They still have student athletes at their on their campus that participate in athletics. And because 
Um, it's not uh, it's not in Division One, and it's not at a high level. People assume that it's not important to the fabric of the university. Uh, it is an important part of the fabric of the university, the University of Chicago. Uh, and those student athletes there participating as uh, students and as athletes uh, on the field, and they enjoy the competition. Um, it's just at this level, we, we have more attention to what we do. Uh, we put uh, an importance to it with the size of the arenas and the stadiums uh, and the attention that it draws, and we've been very good at it, and we will continue to do I, I think a second part of what, what he's saying, though, is, is that when you get to the level that UConn has reached, you are in the, in the entertainment business. And, you know, it's, well, we've got an hour to talk about this stuff, so we might as well bring this up. One of the questions people have is, why aren't athletes paid? At the end of the day, um, everyone's making money. We've got a couple coaches uh, who make a million dollars, or at least we, we had a couple coaches who made a million dollars, still have one. We've got uh, people paid very well to, uh, to make decisions such as yourself. And we have big arenas, and we have national basketball contracts and football contracts. And uh, advertisers make money, and everyone makes money except for the kids. Is this out of whack somehow? Well, you know, as a former student athlete at the University of Michigan, uh, who's sitting in front of you having had a uh, tremendous, valuable education uh, that my parents couldn't afford uh, to pay on their own, uh, I would say to you that uh, the experience that I had as a student athlete was, uh, was paid for by my participation, uh, and it was something that I couldn't have done on my own. And so... Uh, I understand the argument of student-athletes receiving some additional support based on when you look at the salaries, my salary, coaches' salaries, those kind of things. But at the same time, we do pay for their scholarships. We do provide them with other resources that support a lot lot of things that they do. And I think in the end, uh, most of the student-athletes, when they they get done uh, finishing playing college athletics, when they have a degree, uh, from Connecticut, when they go out in the world, they'll look back at it and they'll they'll look at it the way I do. That we had uh, tremendous fun uh, playing a game that we love to play. I had an education that was paid for. Some uh, whose parents could afford it, and some whose parents uh, could not. Uh, and that they'll look at it as as a joyous time in their lives, uh, the way that I do. And I think most of our student athletes feel that way now. I think there's a, there's another part to it, uh, President Herbst, though beyond whether or not we'd pay students an additional stipend. It's it's some of what people see as a hypocrisy behind it. For instance, big time college coach um, decides that he's going to coach at a place like UConn and signs on and tells his players he's going to he's going to be with them to the end and we're going to fight together as brothers and we're going to go to a bowl and then he decides to take a, a gig at another place for a lot more money he leaves them behind. It didn't just happen at UConn, it happens everywhere. Every year we hear of another coach signing a 10-year contract and then leaving people behind. Student-athletes, if they want to leave, there's a whole different set of rules. They've got to sit out a year. They, they, they can't just make the transition. Is that something that we can help to fix, that uh, in a leadership position at the University of Connecticut, we can get together with other people at the table and say, this is what's unfair. It's the, it's the hypocrisy of big-time college sports, not just the amount of money that goes in the people's pockets, but the fact that everyone else seems to make money other than them and the different sets of rules apply. Yeah, I mean, these are, uh, this, is, this is why uh, Ward spends a lot of time at the NCAA, um, as do a lot of presidents, is we're trying to work this stuff through. I mean, the kind of things you mentioned, these are NCAA rules, not UConn Absolutely, rules. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, yes, UConn is a member of the NCAA. It's a membership organization. 
I will tell you, they're, you know, under the, the leadership of the NCAA, all these things are being discussed. They're being discussed daily. Uh, and and we are leaders in this conversation. And, and like I said, word is on some of the most important committees. So it's going to take some time. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a broken system. There are all kinds of things we would like to fix. I mean, word is just back from the NCAA uh, talking about rules and compliance. So we're working on it. Uh, people have got to show some patience on it. But uh, back to war- what Ward said about the experience of a student athlete, I have not uh, in any of the institutions I've been at, and certainly not at UConn, ever had a athletic alumnus come to me and say, I feel really cheated by having been at the University of Connecticut. Far from it. They had such a great experience. They're so incredibly proud. And so many of them have gone on to success not in athletics. So, uh you know, I, we don't hear that from the athletes. We hear that sure. from the grown-ups. Um, and uh, and like I said, they're you know we're, we're, we try our best to to try to um, reexamine these rules. We again, UConn cannot act unilaterally <laughs> with regard to NCAA rules or anything else. We're in it with a lot of other institutions. Uh, uh, let's go quickly to the phones. Emily's on a cell phone. Hello, Emily. Hi, uh, I'm from Connecticut. I was just calling in. I think a lot of attention is being paid to. Uh, like kind of painting the student-athletes as victims, but I uh, roomed with a student-athlete last year at UConn, and from doing that, I know that they receive uh, way better tutors. They receive, they're told to pick easier classes. A couple of them had cheat sheets to tests, and uh, I think it's just very clear that they receive a lot of favoritism besides the fact that so much more money is funneled into their programs than uh, it's the, I mean, it's it's millions and millions of dollars. She would get emails saying just came to to them each week. Uh, Emily, thank you very much for your phone call. Ward Manuel, maybe you can re- respond to some of that. This is something we hear an awful lot from from people on college campuses that at the end of the day, the student athlete is is treated differently than another student. Well, I'm I'm certain uh, based on the general student population that if you look at what we do with our student athletes, that they would. Uh, be treated differently because their time we 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 do help them with tutoring we do not provide cheat sheets uh, and anything of that nature will not be tolerated um, by our our student athletes or our our tutors Uh, but we we do provide them tutoring Uh, we do uh, mandate uh, that freshmen study uh, with us so that we can ensure that they're making the transition they understand that college are going to be uh, different. We do pro- provide them with meals, uh, transportation, all the things that, that student athletes would, would get uh, because they participate in, in athletics. And that's because they're spending 20 to 30 hours uh, a week uh, participating in sports, and, and we help them manage their time. And we only provide them with tutors when they need them. I mean, this is not something where we have somebody going to class with our student athletes, sitting there taking notes for them, regurgitating the information doing the work for them. Uh, this is the expectation that our student athletes here, and, mo- and the majority of them, uh, take full advantage of the educational opportunity at the University of Connecticut. And um, while there may be some um, that tried to game the system, just like uh, general students, in general, uh, the student athletes, not only at UConn, but across the country, are working as hard uh, as other students, and if not harder, based on the, the athletic schedule that they have. You, you made reference to this earlier, uh, President Herbst, but maybe you could uh, talk a bit more about what you see as the progress of the men's basketball team, uh, in, in part 
there's, there's been two problems with the men's basketball team in recent years, uh, probation because of some ethics violations, and then also uh, this problem where they're not going to be involved in postseason tournaments this year because of the mm-hmm. academic uh, progress in past years. So do you think they've made the progress you'd like to see? Oh, absolutely. I'll let Ward talk about this. And I'd like him to talk, too, about the uh, the compliance matter because that, that too, is um, has just been a subject of a lot of media hysteria. hysteria. And being so good at UConn, a lot of people want to take us down. <laughs> and uh, and we won't have it, and we'll, we'll always be transparent and tell the truth about what's going on our teams. But um, I'll let Ward talk. These, uh, these particular students are doing a great job. There is not one kid on that team, one young man on that team, who's responsible uh, for, that, for that poor APR. It's just this year, no postseason. After that, I see no problems. But um, it is painful, you know, as a parent, somebody who knows these kids, and as the president, to see them punished for something they didn't do. Uh, and, and before we get into some of that, I'll just ask, in the conversations that you've had with some of these other uh, universities and other conferences, do you believe that the probation or the academic suspension that UConn has had from postseason play, that that played into any reluctance on anyone's part to bring on UConn as a member institution? No, we didn't hear that at all. I think it, it has to do with, and we had some excellent articles about this. Uh, I want to you know, call out uh, both Paul Doyle and and Jeff Jacobs from The Current for very thoughtful pieces. I think a lot of it is about football, um, but, you know, other factors as well. But, no, that uh, didn't come to me as president from any other president or uh, any commissioner uh, or that, that that was an issue. Okay, and we, we maybe when we come back from our break, we'll talk about football a bit, but uh, maybe you can uh, pick up on what the, what the president was talking about just there, about the academic progress, and, and also maybe about this compliance issue I brought up. Well, from the... Uh, APR standpoint, academic progress rate, um, I'll just remind your audience, that was a rule change. We were, based on the old uh, rules, the the four levels, we would not have had a violation. Uh, What happened is they changed the rule, uh, and they said uh, that a certain number was going to be a violation, or if you have that number, uh, you're going to have a violation. But uh, based on the uh, current student-athletes, as President Herb said, uh, they did a great job. They started when President Herbst got here to um, change the philosophy and the way that we uh, managed academics, uh, and we're going to be fine in the long run. But we have to deal with this. this is a four-year rate, so we have to deal with it for another three years. Are, are all the the players on the current team going to graduate? I don't know. I mean, it just depends on, on what happens with professional opportunities and what they decide to do. But uh, right now they're on track to graduate, um, and if uh, they decide to stay, uh, they will uh, move towards graduation and, and ultimately graduate. But uh, they, it depends on if they all stay or if they, some of them decide to leave early to go pro, um, as we have had in the past. And, uh, you know, we're not going to hold that against student-athletes because they have an opportunity to go on and play professionally in, um, in uh, having a, cr- a career in basketball. Uh, but if they decide to stay, they will, uh, they're on track and will graduate. And, and quickly, if you would just pick up on this compliance issue again, this having to do with, uh, with recruiting violations. Maybe you can yeah, explain. It was, it was about text messaging and phone calls. And ironically, I was uh, telling uh, President Herbst earlier in my meeting yesterday, I'm on the NCAA rules working group, which is looking at rewriting the, the, uh, the rules. Uh, we're looking at uh, proposing a change in the way in, in text messaging already as that legislation has changed. So some of the things we were in violation of that were against the rules are, are going to be changed in the future. Um, and I think for the better. 
but you know, based on the rules that were there, uh, we had um, we were found in violation by the NCAA. The university worked through that, and um, we're we're dealing with the uh, the results of the probation, but we'll be fine as we move forward. We're talking with Ward Manuel, who's the athletic director for the University of Connecticut. Susan Herbst, who is the president of UConn. When we come back, we'll take some more of your calls at 860-275-7266 as we talk about the impact of big-time football and conference realignment. Uh, We're talking sports here on Where We Live. This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankosky. We're talking with President Susan Herbst of the University of Connecticut and UConn Athletic Director Ward Manuel about UConn athletics, some of the changing landscape of intercollegiate sports, and some of your thoughts at 860-275-7266. When we started talking about conference realignment, uh, it became clear that it's all about football. Uh, It seems to all be be about football. You mentioned Paul Doyle's uh, excellent article in uh, in the Hartford Current about how UConn honestly didn't really have a chance at, uh, at being part of the ACC, in part because uh, Louisville was seen as a bigger, better football program. When you saw that and you heard some of this response, Susan Herbst, what did you think about that? Uh, I thought, you know, uh, it's, it's, I'd, I put it a little more subtly than, than he had, but, yeah, I absolutely think we have work to do in football, but, and, and Ward, being a, a former football player and, and being in charge of this program, can speak, speak better about it, but... UConn fans, look how far we have come in football. You know, a couple of some losing seasons. I mean, that's going to happen. Uh, Notre Dame fans, if I could just, you know, take an example. They've had some losing seasons, as I recall, in the last, you know, couple of decades. Uh, look how much they love their football and love their players and their coaches, and they come out to games. And, you know, we got to get to that level. New England, and I've, you know, I've said this in the past, I think people are a little hard on themselves here, uh, you know, about – about immediate success, about, uh, you know, just just being too harsh um, on themselves about, about the growth of these kind of programs. And, I mean, look at where Randy took that program. It's absolutely astounding how far we've come. But, but, but it's not, I don't think it's about self-reflection and being mm-hmm. harsh on ourselves. It, it's about the way the outside views us and, mm-hmm. and in part what we heard. And this was not just from, from his article but from, from people at other schools saying, that that Louisville was chosen because it is collegiately driven. The idea that Louisville is a place where people get excited about mm-hmm. college sports in a way that maybe they don't get as excited uh, about football here. That may be something that University of Connecticut can overcome. It may not be. And we've invested a lot in the football program. Do you worry that perhaps we fall into this, this sort of nether region where we've got a big-time football program, but, but it's not big enough time to get to the level where we're going to make tons of money at it? We're growing. I mean, yeah. you know, we are we are such an incredibly young program. Louisville's been at it a lot longer. And, John, the perception of self and what other people perceive you as, those things are intimately tied. They're totally conflated with each other. It is in our control. It is in our fans' control to build our football up even further. Well, I, I agree. I mean, um, look, we're a 12-, 13-year-old program at this level, um, competing with people – uh, who have been at this level and competing for a hundred plus years, and um, so you know we have growing pains, but we're growing at a time um, where football is really important. And I will remind people that we've grown very fast. I mean, the the fastest uh, to go from uh, Division One Double uh, A to Division One to go to a BCS uh, game. Uh, we won two Big East championships in the league. We're struggling now. 
Uh, but as I've said to our fans uh, publicly and I've said in emails, nobody's working harder than that team and our coaching staff. And while we have some work to do, uh, we're not happy as our fans aren't happy. But I, I will say that we're working at it, uh, that I see it, that I, I've spoken to Paul and, and spoken to our student athletes. They're committed to uh, success and committed to working, to doing the things to elevate uh, our success on the field of play. And um, as disappointing as this past season is uh, to our fan base, uh, we're working uh, to to be better and to win championships. There's there's no there's nothing that's going to take that focus away. Does UConn have to get into one of the big power conferences to take that next step? Does it have to get into the ACC? Does it have to get into the Big Ten or some other league? The Big East football is a great brand of football. We we have to be more successful on the field. We have to worry about uh, what we're doing uh, on the field and uh, what others and how others see us is, is going to clearly uh, be dependent on our continued success, not only in football but in our other sports. And we're a proud member of the Big East. We, we helped found this conference, and we're going to continue to win championships. We have great teams coming in uh, that have been ranked nationally. We have been ranked nationally. I'm not going to apologize for the level of football that we play or to say that our football in the brand that we can bring to it, um, I'm going to worry about UConn and making our football program better. But you've been trying to get out of the Big East. I mean, that's what's been happening in the last couple months with this conference realignment. You've actively tried to get into another conference. We've actively tried to make sure that UConn is in a great position for our future. Uh, but that's not because we don't like – the Big East and the Big East hasn't been uh, a good place for us or will be a good place for the future. It's a great conference with, with a lot of great teams coming in, a lot of great teams still in this conference. Uh, when you look at the success in football, our success in basketball and other success of the teams that are coming in, uh, we're always going to do what's best for the University of Connecticut. But that's not to say that we're not in a great place now and can even make it better uh, for UConn, which is always going to be uh, the first uh, focus of me and President Herbst is to do what's in the best interest of UConn um, and, and move forward. Uh, let's get to some phone calls. Robertson, Madison. Hi, Robert. And good morning, President Herbst and uh, Lord. Morning. Uh, I just had a quick question for you because uh, your dynamic uh, is the same as my family. I'm a Wolverine, uh, transplanted to Connecticut, and my wife is a UConn Husky, and we were very mm-hmm. excited when you became a D1 football college. I was just wondering, President Herbst, when you uh, first came on board, you had mentioned trying to be associated with the Association of American Universities to increase the research academics as well as to get into the athletics. I just wondered where we stood on that particular note. Sure. And, 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 Robert, thank you for that. And, and for, for people who don't know, that association, all the members of the Big Ten Conference, for the most part, are part of that association. That, that was part of the defining characteristics of the Big Ten, from what I understand. Yeah, not anymore, because Nebraska was as asked left, to leave yeah. the AAU, as was Syracuse. Um, the AAU is a, is a terrific association of um, research universities, and uh, the key for UConn to get into the AAU is exactly what we're doing, which is building the faculty and building uh, the research dollars. So uh, there, there aren't a lot of new people taken into the AAU. They like to, like to keep it small, but it's going to be dependent on federal money brought into the university. And I'd say we need to boost our, our, our federal money coming in. That's NIH money and um, NSF grants. 
by about probably 90 or 100 million dollars a year, which um, you know I think is completely doable given the kinds of faculty we're hiring and the programs we're setting up. So uh, the AAU is about excellence, but primarily um, research activity. But but do you, do you see that as a potential entree for the Big Ten? It, they've made it very clear that they want to mm -hmm. bring on certain types of universities, Rutgers and Maryland, that they did bring in, are both members. It seems as though UConn being a part of that association would make it easier to get into a league of, for sports as well. Yeah, that, I mean, that's not the way I think about it or, or most presidents do. We need to do research at UConn. We need to invent. We need to discover. In Farmington, we want to cure cancer. We need to bring in research money to do that. That will eventually get us into the AAU. I mean, if the AAU didn't exist, we'd still be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So the AAU is like any award or it's a it's a recognition that you're doing the work you should do. I, I want to get to Dan, who's calling from Glastonbury. Hello, Dan. Hi, uh, yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just had a question today about uh, the expansion of, of Rensselaer Field. Uh, Rutgers has expanded their stadium, and I believe Cincinnati has plans to do the same, even though the demand isn't quite there yet. Uh, I was wondering if we, can, we would consider doing that, just to send a message to the ACC or maybe the Big Ten that, yes, we are serious about football. Thank you, Dan, for the question. Ward Manuel? Well, we, we know what it would take, and we have uh, – an understanding of what was done uh, when the stadium was building it's expandable to 50,000 uh, with another deck uh, but it's an economic question as much as it is um, you know looking uh, to the future I would love to to add another 10,000 seats and, and to have uh, the need uh, to do that and I think look it's twofold one we have to uh, generate success in the field and then we have to generate uh, and continue to uh, get our fans to be interested to come out and see that success. And I've said, um, you know, it's it's what comes first, the chicken or the egg, in this sense. Do we add another 10,000 seats, expecting another 10,000 uh, people to, to purchase those seats, or do we focus on uh, filling up the stands with great football and in, in, uh, in success? And that w that's what we will plan on doing. You know, to, to the question of other leagues, I, I just want to focus for a second on where we are. Um, we have been a, a, a very successful program given our young age. Uh, we have great uh, teams that are in this league. When you look at South Florida a few years ago, was number two in the country. Houston's coming in. They were ranked in the top ten. Uh, Boise is coming in uh, to this league, and they've been a perennial top 20 program. San Diego State's improving. Uh, Central Florida has been ranked. Um, you know, we have some teams that are still going to be in this league uh, in the Big East um, but, but in, there's, in terms I, of success I, I, that it, I want yeah. our fans to understand. This is not football that is not uh, good football. I, and I, I apologize for butting in just because we're running a little long time. I'll just say that there's been plenty of talk, though, as there's been this conference uh, shifting, as these seven Catholic basketball schools have left, that some of these schools that have not yet played a game in the Big East will find someplace else to go. Certainly that has happened. There is a very good chance that the league that you've been a part of just won't even be a league anymore okay. very, very soon. And so where does that leave the University of Connecticut? I, I know that what you think is coming could be good, but it may not be there in, in a month from now. Well, John, we obviously don't want that to happen. I mean, nobody wants to say, well, what you think is going to happen is not going to happen. Obviously, we're, we're looking at all possibilities, but in conversations that I've had, uh, with other athletic directors in this conference, uh, there's been a commitment uh, to maintain and to stay and make the Big East strong. And I think there's an excitement by them to come into the Big East to play the teams that 
uh, we have, and as we build uh, a stronger league. And, and Mike Oresco, who's a Connecticut, um, from Connecticut, went to school here uh, at UConn and got his law degree. Um, he's doing a great job at a at a time when we're all coming in. When you look at uh, President Herbs, myself, uh, we're all new to this, and and so uh, we're moving forward in in not only reacting but really developing plans to be better uh, and stronger, and not just sitting back and waiting for the next thing to happen to us. We're we're actively moving forward. Our coaches, our student athletes are continuing to uh, strengthen the programs that we have, and that's how we we control how good we're going to be. Mm. And where we'll be, right now we know we're in the Big East Conference and we have a great group of schools, and that's what we're moving forward with. Ward Manuel is Athletic Director for the University of Connecticut. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Susan Herbst, before I let you go, we just have, have maybe about 45 seconds or so. If you could just talk through again the scholarship program. We started this program on uh, the University of Connecticut has put forward for victims of the Sandy Hook shootings. I, I think it's important for our listeners to know a bit more about. Sure. Uh, thanks so much, John. So this is a scholarship fund designed for uh, siblings, families of the victims in Sandy Hook, and also um, siblings, uh, families of the um, adults who were killed at Sandy Hook. Uh, the goal is to cover all their college costs when they're ready to come to UConn. And they have to qualify to get into UConn. And yeah. <laughs> as you know, but we think that uh, giving the gift of a, um, a scholarship to a great public university is about the best thing we could do um, for the victims of Sandy Hook. Go on our website, uconn.edu. All the information's there. Uh, we've already raised a quarter of a million dollars just overnight. Just really overnight. Uh, Susan Herbst, great to see you. Uh, happy holidays to you. Thank you so much for Thanks, coming John. in. Thanks, John. Thanks to our friends at CPTV Sports for being with us today on Where We Live.